don't know about you, but I like things that are cohesive. And we typically here at church build series, and we build them way ahead of time, and we plan, and we pray, and we pour into them. And so we're supposed to be in the series right now called Our Spirit-Filled Church. We started that, and then all this kind of happened. And we will finish that series, and it will be awesome. But last week, Pastor Don brought a message called Old Weapons That Still Work. And today, I want to bring you part two of a series we didn't know we were going to do, okay, of a series that I think God has for our church at this time that we need to do, and I'm really excited about it. I'm really passionate about it. It is called Everything Looks Like Failure in the Middle. I went camping with a friend recently. Actually, if you were here a few weeks ago, I preached about my childhood best friend and kind of our separation and then how God brought us back together. Anyways, we met up a couple weeks ago, and we went camping, and we're talking, and we're reliving the old days and talking about how God saved us from how stupid we were and all the things, right? And probably at 1130 at night, when we're just saying nonsense at this point, I said, well, you know, bro, everything looks like a failure in the middle. And he said, that sounds like a sermon. I said it is. I just haven't written it yet. All right. But here we are, and I have written it, and I'm very excited for this, okay? So this is what I want to do this morning. If you don't remember the four old weapons that still work that Pastor Don covered, good news for you, I do. All right. And they are prayer, praise, faith, and obedience. And what I want to do this morning, okay, because when I come here, I come to leave different. I come to change. And so when I hear Pastor Don, I'm like, tell me, man, tell me, because I need to know and I need to change. And so he starts talking about that, and I'm getting ready for this sermon. You know what I want to do? I want to take a few minutes this morning and tell you some testimonies, some stories. We church folk call them testimonies, okay, of people who have used those old weapons in their life and how they've worked out for them, okay? So that's what we're going to do this morning. And Romans, uh, or yeah, Romans 12 in the message translation says, take your everyday ordinary life. And my hope this morning is to show you some examples of people who took their everyday ordinary life, placed them before God, and lived out these weapons and how it worked out in their life, okay? Now, these are not short stories. That doesn't mean I'm going to preach long, okay? So just relax. What it means is that we're going to read them quick, But these are years and even decades of people's lives we're talking about here, okay? It's like when you read in the Bible, and Jesus took the disciples to Galilee. And then in verse 4, they're in Galilee. That ain't how it worked. It was like three or four or five days of traveling and camping and talking and learning, okay? But we just read things and hear things faster than they happen. But the stories that I'm going to tell you took years and decades of people's lives. And that is why it's so important we know this truth that everything can look like failure in the middle. Now, Revelation chapter 12 tells us that our victory over the enemy is through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And that's why we're going to talk about testimonies today, about stories, about how God has shown up and come through, all right? Because our first victory, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you believe that Jesus Christ came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, rose again for your sins because you are precious in his sight, as Andy just shared, okay? If you believe that, then that's your first victory. But our second victory, who likes running up the score? Who played sports and likes running up the score, okay? Our second victory is through the word of our testimony, through sharing what God has done in our lives. And that's what we're gonna do today, all right? So we're gonna do that through some stories. First, we're gonna start with a story, a testimony on prayer, all right? In uh, 1897, a boy got off a boat 
in Ellis Island, New York, and he wrote his name in a logbook to become an immigrant into the United States. I couldn't tell, I couldn't find out in my research if he was alone or if he was accompanied by parents. I really don't know the answer to that, but he would have been around 10 years old, and he moved to the western part of New York State, not too far from here, and he built a humble but respectable life. He was a house painter, he was an artist, he was a seashell collector, and he was a strong Christian man, okay? He went to a church called Zion Covenant, or God's Promise, in the town where he lived, okay? Now, Carl had a son named Gordon, and Gordon had a son named Peter, okay? And when Carl was 76 years old, his son Gordon dropped dead of a pulmonary embolism at 39 years old. Peter was 14, almost 14, okay? And no parent should have to bury their child, okay? But in addition to that, uh, Carl, so he's heartbroken. He's seen this tragedy. In addition to that, he watches his grandson, Peter, start to spiral completely out of control. Peter had two sisters. So every boy's hero is named dad. But when you have two sisters and one of them is an older teenage sister in your life, your hero's really named dad. And he lost his right before he turned 14. And he began to spiral completely out of control. Now, Carl did what he could. He loved on his grandkids. He prayed for his grandkids a lot. He prayed and he prayed and he prayed. And at 20 years old, Peter, still running, was drafted into the army to go serve in Vietnam. And Carl handed him a little Bible, you know, those little two-inch by three-inch Bibles we give little kids. He handed Peter one of those, and he hoped in that jungle on the other side of the world that Peter would get so alone, so desperate, so hurt, that he would open that thing up and he'd find his way back to Jesus, okay? He never did. He never opened that Bible up over there. He got home, and really nothing changed. He got home in 1971. Carl passed away in 1972, and he never saw his prayers answered. He never saw all that blood, sweat, and tears he was putting into praying for Peter come to fruition. But seven years later, in 1979, at almost 30 years old, Peter left his cigarettes on the altar of a church. Okay? Peter quit drinking to medicate his pain. And Peter let his heavenly father minister to him because he lost his earthly father. And Peter's my dad. And Carl's my great-grandpa. And I'm so glad that that old Swede had prayer as a weapon that still worked. And everything, everything looks like failure in the middle, but the middle's not the end. The end is the end. And God gets to determine what the end is, all right? So that's our testimony this morning on the power of prayer. Next, I want to talk to you about praise, okay? There's a girl named Ellen. She was born into a very musical family. Really, without any conscious effort, without any uh, intentionality on her part, she was an amazing musician at a very young age. She and her sister were so important. They were as important to the family band as any of the grown-ups, any of the adults, okay? They're amazing musicians. They played their bluegrass stuff here, there, and everywhere. Everybody knew who they were, okay? And as she grew up and she got older and she entered adulthood, she got burned out. She played at a church. She had a bad church experience. She played too much uh, in whatever setting. She, it just started to burn her out. She became a mom. She became, you know, a wife, a mom, all these things. And she just, she put it on the shelf. She put music on the shelf and said, I don't know when I'll do it again, but I need a break, okay? And I'm not sure all the circumstances that led her family through the doors 
of this disorganized, messy, young church plant in the town where they lived, but they showed up, and within a few minutes, a few months, her husband reached out to the worship leader and said, hey, I don't know if you know my wife, but she's an amazing piano player. She sings beautifully. You should get her to work. You should get her to play on the worship team. And so that happened, and before you know it, God kind of sneak attacked her back up on stage, back into this setting, and now, though, he was in control of it. And he says, no, you're going to give me your praise. That's what this is about. Praise is the weapon that works. Chasing music, chasing the high you get from organized, the chemistry that comes from a band, that'll leave you empty every time. But praise is a weapon that still works. And so a few years pass, and her worship leader leaves to go work at a different church. And a job opening presents itself. And there were some hard moments there was some uncertainty. There was some struggle. There was some uh, just all sorts of different things. It wasn't this automatic next person up. It's obviously you. That didn't happen. But God worked through it. And even if you had pressed pause somewhere in the middle and it looked like a failure, I'm here to tell you today that Ellen is the worship director at the church I used to work at. I was that worship leader that left to come to this church, okay? And God used praise to elevate her, to show her his plan for her life. And he revealed to her that he's got way more in store for her than music was ever going to give. He said, praise is the weapon that will bring you back to me, all right? All right. Now we're going to talk about faith. And faith is different. Faith is a whole different thing, and I'll tell you why. Faith is more conceptual than it is practical. Would you agree? If I tell Andy down here, Andy, would you pray for me? What's he going to do? He's going to put his hand on my shoulder. He's going to pray for me. If I say, Andy, would you praise with me? He's probably going to pull out a guitar and praise with me. He's going to say, come on, let's do this, right? But if I say, Andy, would you have faith for me? What does that look like? What is the action step for faith? Okay, let me tell you this story. There was a man named Kevin. Kevin was the oldest of three boys. All right, Kevin was a fun-loving, excitable guy. He got married very young, and quickly had three kids of his own, two girls and a boy, all right? Kevin worked all sorts of jobs. He, was, uh, he tried sales, he worked in a warehouse, he had farm experience, and he ultimately landed at a manufacturing facility where he worked his way up over a number of years. Remember, the story might sound short to you, but he lived it, okay? He worked his way up to floor supervisor, all right? And I can tell you this about Kevin. The, the constant in Kevin's life was this thing right here, okay? He lived in his word. What the Bible said, he believed, and he lived it out. He purposed every single day to live it out. Nothing was gonna get in his way, okay? And so what, what's that look like? That meant he was always active in serving in his church. That meant in his 40s, when a little old country church that he grew up in didn't have a pastor anymore, because they dwindled in size and they didn't have the money to pay for one, he said, I'll do it. I'll be the lay pastor. I'll still keep my full-time job, but I'll just come here on Sundays and I'll just lead this congregation. However many show up, I can preach the word. I, I live this thing out. And he did that for the rest of his life, okay? And you say, what are you telling me this story for? I'm telling you this. Faith, I, uh, three years ago this month, I preached the, for the first time here. I was so nervous, okay? Not like now. Actually, I'm still nervous. But I preached for the first time here and the message was called Faith versus Faithfulness. Okay, and why did I call it that? Because I believe faith is harder to wrap our, our minds around, but faithfulness, listen to this from Hebrews chapter 11, verse one, the message translation, it says, the fundamental fact of existence is this trust in God, this faith 
It is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we cannot see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors and set them above the crowd. Faith looks like a whole bunch of Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays just stacked on top of each other, just believing that what God says is true. That's faith. It's faithfulness, okay? Faith lived out is faithfulness. And the reason I think that is so important is because we need to understand that when we surrender our lives to Jesus, what's that look like? That looks like every Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, we just keep stacking the days on each other and trusting him and letting him fill the gaps and letting him write the story, okay? And you could pause on any random Tuesday or any random Friday, and it might look like a failure because it's the middle, but the middle's not the end, okay? And so that is what we need to remember. Now I wanna tell you, Kevin was my father-in-law. You've heard me talk about him a lot. You might not know his name, but look, look how blessed I am. Look at these people surrounding my life. My great-grandpa, my dad, my friend Ellen, my, my father-in-law, Kevin. Listen, you're just as blessed. You got these people in your life and we need to start seeing the faithfulness and the prayer and the praise in, the, in people's lives and calling it out and thanking God for it and being inspired by it. What do you think this gift of the church is for? That's what we're doing, all right? So I'm preaching way better than you're amening, but that's all right. We're going to keep going. That ain't the first time. All right. Prayer, praise, faith. We are left with obedience, okay? Obedience. There was a teenage boy born into a noble family. He stood out among his friends, okay? He was very intelligent. He was a high achiever, and he was humble, okay? A rare combination in the teenage race, okay? He was a, uh, he, he was a devout person. He, he believed in God. His whole life got flipped upside down when his nation was taken captive by the neighboring nation, okay? His entire life got flipped upside down. This neighboring nation, though, did not torture him, did not kill him or his friends, okay? They said, let's retrain these kids so when they grow up, they can become an asset to us, okay? So that's what they purposed to do. Here's the problem. They were devout believers in God, and this is what they purposed to do. They chose obedience to their God over influence from their new culture, okay? They chose obedience to what God called them to do over the influence of this new culture they didn't ask for that they found themselves in, all right? But enough of me trying to paraphrase this story. You can read it straight from God's word. It's the book of Daniel. And if you'll open up your Bibles to Daniel chapter one, you will see this, all right? Daniel and his friends, they get taken captive. But let, let me just hit a couple of verses that show his determination and his, uh, his zeal to be obedient. Verse eight, it says, but Daniel determined that he would not defile himself by eating the king's food or drinking his wine. And then again in verse 11, but Daniel appealed to a steward who'd been assigned to him to play by different rules because he wanted to obey God. And then you jump down to verse 17, and God gave these four young men knowledge and skill in both books and life. And in addition, Daniel was gifted and understanding all sorts of visions and dreams. You see, his obedience resulted in God trusting him with something like being gifted in understanding and visions and dreams, okay? Now listen, Daniel lived in a circumstance he did not ask for, and he had no control over. And I want to tell you something this morning, if you can hear my voice. That is the same truth for every one of you. Every one of you are living in a circumstance you didn't ask for, and you can't control. You want to know what it's called? It's called COVID-19. 
okay? Yeah, I'm going there, okay? Every single one of us has been affected by this, okay? And at the end of the day, this is what I believe. We can choose obedience to our God or influence from our culture. I don't know if you've been on Facebook. I don't know if you have the news, but goodness sakes, it's everywhere. Influence, influence, influence. Think this way. Think my way. Do my thing. You should, who are you? All this hate and division. And we need to choose what's God called us to. And let's be obedient to what God's called us to do and not influenced from the culture that's spiraling out of control around us. All right? Listen, I don't want to just know about old weapons that still work. I want to use them. I want to use these weapons in my life. Do you want to use them? Do you want to just know about them or do you want to use them? Okay? Listen, when we come in here, the goal is to become more like Christ. We say we're journeying towards the Father. Listen, you already know how to be you. You need to know how to be like him. What Cornell said this weekend, he's like, I'm the knucklehead. He's God. What are we doing here? We come into this place to leave different. I came into this place last week. Pastor Don preached part one of this series we didn't know we were going to do. And I left different. And I started thinking about the people in my life. And I was encouraged. And you should be encouraged, all right? Now listen, this is what I want to do. I want to implore you, not ask you, not challenge you. I'm using big words, okay? I want to implore you to consider how you are analyzing your life. Are you pressing pause on Tuesday and saying, man, this just doesn't feel like I wish it did, like I wish it would. This feels like failure. Well, guess what? Everything feels like failure in the middle. Stay it through till the end, okay? Daniel died in his 90s in that nation that took him captive. You're going to say, well, Pastor Quinn, I thought you said that, you know, everything's failure in the middle. Where's his deliverance? I'll tell you where his deliverance is. He got reunited with his Savior. He got reunited with God the Father, and he saw it on the other side. And the whole time, he used prayer, and he used praise. Read the book. He used faith. And he used his obedience to get through situation after situation after situation. And guess what? So can we. Just like Carl saw his grandson come to Jesus from the other side, just like Kevin looks down all the time and sees what's happening among his kids and his grandkids. And that's what we're after here. This life is a vapor and it's over. But we're writing our legacy right now. Cornell went on one last night about that. Listen, we're writing our legacy right now. We can't be pressing pause in the middle and declaring it a failure. Are you kidding me? All right, let me wrap up with this. Go ahead and stand up. And I want to tell you this this morning. This morning, God wants you to know it's worth the work. All right, it's worth the work. In fact, let me say it this way. You've heard the phrase, it's more work than it's worth. You heard that phrase? I said that once. I took my kids kayaking and I was beat. Uh, they help nothing. They just get in the way. It's miserable, okay? But at the end, I'm just being real. At the end, they sat on a little thing at Lampy's Marina, and I took their little picture, and they're living in heaven right now, okay? They're just loving life. And I put a picture up on whatever, Facebook or whatever, and I said, it's more worth than it's work. It's more worth than it's work. Yeah, you might work. Yeah, you might have to put some effort in to stack some Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays together and be faith-filled and be obedient and have some prayer and praise in your life. But the worth at the end of it? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Okay, and so that's what we're here for and that's what we're about. We get far more worth pursuing him than we ever have to put in in the form of work. 
ever, period, case closed, okay? And so my hope for you is as we leave today and as you think through the people in your life and your actions in your life, that you find reasons to have encouragement, to be excited, to be built up by the prayer and the praise and the faith and the obedience that you see around you in your life, all right? So I'm gonna pray to that end and we're gonna close and we're gonna keep praying for Pastor Nicole and she's coming back and it's gonna be awesome and God is doing so many great things here at your first, but I want you to know there's a reason these messages are coming last week and this week. We need to put these weapons to work. And we need to stop looking at division and start looking at each other and looking at what God's doing in each other. So God, I just pray to that end. I thank you for every heart and soul in this room. I thank you that you brought us into this place today because you had a word for us. You had a reminder that we all needed and we didn't even know it. And so I pray that you continue to heal Pastor Nicole and that you continue to heal Joel, Pastor Joel. But more than anything, Lord, I pray that every person in this room feels encouraged to go out and live out with these weapons, Lord, to just put them before you, to stack days on top of each other, and to thank you for what you're doing in our lives every single day and every single week. And we pray these things in your strong name, Jesus. Amen. All right. Thank you so much. Have a great Sunday.